faith. We are the people who live by faith. Right? The righteous shall live by faith. All those Old Testament passages that point to that passage in the New Testament was talking about what we get to live from now. This was the mystery that Paul talks about that was hidden before the ages that now is revealed in Christ Jesus that we get to experience. We get to live. We get to be a part of. Right? Not in a sweet by and by, but when? Right now. So the old righteousness in the Old Testament versus the New Testament new righteousness in the New Testament, they were a little different, right? Just to remind ourselves a little bit. One righteous was by what? Works. It was based off your works. When we went all through that whole period of time where we discussed at the beginning of the year about covenants, that was based off of your works, right? The Mosaic Covenant, all about you get some righteousness, but it's based off your works, right? What's the difference in the New Testament? Grace. Grace, unmerited favor, what given to you? This is given. Like not based off of anything that you've done, just given to you that righteousness. What's another difference in it? Limited. There was a limited righteousness in the Old Testament. Remember I told you the other day I had somebody text me and said, can you lose your salvation? And sent me a passage from the Old Testament where it said the Spirit come and then it left. What happened in the Old Testament? The Spirit did come upon and did leave, right? But in the New Covenant, what happens with that righteousness given to you? It's yours. You can't become any more righteous than you already are right now. You can become more head knowledge about it and experience it more, but you are as righteous, what? As God. The righteousness of God has been given to you without measure. Without measure. Like it's over the top, overflowing, right? Given to you. Another difference. The righteousness of the Old Testament puts you in a standing, in a position, so to speak. You know what that position was? As a servant. Jesus looked at him and says, no longer do I call you servants, but now I call you friends. In the new covenant, not only is he calling us friends, but in the new covenant, you have a righteous standing as a son. As a son. Son of who? Son of who? God. Son of Abba. Son of the Father. Alright, so let's look. Let's dig. First Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9. First Corinthians 1, verse 9. God is forever faithful. How long? Forever. Forever and ever and ever. Faithful and can be trusted to do this where? In you. This is talking about what's already been done in you. Okay? It can be trusted to do this in you. How long again? It's not a come and go. Say it loud, Byron. Forever. Right. Forever. For He has invited you to co-share. What does that mean? Together. Together. Like, I'm doing it with you. You're doing it with me. Like, how often do our prayers sound like they're co-laboring together? What our prayers mostly sound like? We sound like we still got the Old Testament righteousness, which is what? A limited servant mentality. Oh God, please do this. Please do that. Please do this. Please do that. And it matches all our Christmas 
songs that we tried to do, right? Better watch out. You better not pout. Why? Santa Claus is watching you, right? He sees you when you're sleeping. That's a little weird, but... He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good, so be what? Good for goodness sake. Why? What are we putting into our, our kids' brains? If you want good stuff, you got to be good. And we have imprinted on their mind some being that's bigger than them who can give gifts out to the whole world in one night. And we've given them this vision of this guy, this big guy, only will do that for you if you're good. So when they grow up, what are we putting those pictures towards now? The big guy upstairs. Right? All are false judgments. He's not the big guy upstairs, and he's not Santa Claus. He's not basing it off you've been good or bad. He's basing it off you're a receiver or not. Receive what he's already done for you. This right here just says, God is forever faithful, can be trusted to do this where? In you. He has invited you to co-share this life. Not having to beg, not having to plead, not having to act like some beggar, hoping to just get some crumbs if he got some left over. No, it is a co-share in the life, just as you saw who was the perfect picture of co-sharing with the Father. Jesus. To show us exactly what it looked like to co-share the life of His Son. In other words, you are to walk just as He did. This has been called into. That's what's available to you. If you'll take it. Notice it says, invited. It didn't say, made to. It's an invitation. You have to yield to it. You have to accept it. You have to walk in it. Right? Now, look at... John, book of John, verse, I mean, chapter 14, book of John, 14. We're going to read 14, 15, 16, 17. I'm <laughs> just kidding. We are probably going to pull something from each one, but y'all know these are my favorite, so it's hard for me to uh, just pick just one. So um, I'm going to try it. We'll see. I may end up reading a while, but we're going to try to. 1423. Jesus replied, Loving me empowers you. What empowers you? To obey my word. What empowers you to, to be in obedience? Is that the servant attitude? That's a big difference. Servant because you have to. Love is like a son. Just like Jesus. Right? He's a son. And my Father will love you so deeply that we, who? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, will come to you and make you our what? Our what? Can't hear you. Say it loud so the people in the back can hear you. The dwelling place. What is dwelling place? Huh? Where you live. 
He says, we're going to come and what? Make our home with you, in other words, right? Some of your old passages may say abode, and we don't know what that means. Dwelling place, a little bit something we can. But let's just say, your house. Where you live. Where you're comfortable. Where you live, where you sleep, where you do all of what? He's saying, life. Wants to come and make that his life. Wants to come and make that home in you. Again, what did we just look at? It's an invitation though. It's an, are you open to it? Are you going to be able to say, yes, yield to it? There has to be a yielding that has to take place. And this is not a one-time yielding. Like he makes me a son. But if I want to walk and co-labor, I got to continue to yield every day. You see that? To make his home where? In me. Go over two chapters to chapter 16. Better cross your fingers. I was able to do it. Not read the whole chapter. Verse 27. For the Father tenderly loves you because you love me and believe that I've come from God. In chapter 16, he's talking about this kind of love. The same love. Say it with me. Same love. Say it with me. Same love. Say it one more time. Same love that he loves Jesus. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he loves you with the same passionate, infinite love that he loves Jesus? Like that's a pursuit. Like that's huge. You see the connection the way Jesus and the Father was on the earth. The same passionate, infinite love that He has for Jesus, He has for you. The same. So whenever we come into sonship, it's more than just saying, I'm a child of God, right? We sing those songs, I'm a child of God. But I think sometimes we still get in our picture, we only the little sweet little baby Jesus laying in the manger, and He's got to hold us for the rest of our days. Jesus grew up into a son. He was an infant. He was a baby. But he grew into a son. To where he stood before everyone in public at the age of 30. And the father says, this is my son and who I am well pleased before he ever performed a miracle. When he comes into that position of authority as sonship, the transactions start taking place. What I mean, your turn to move on to more spiritual milk, so to speak, past that, what we look at Hebrews chapter 5, so that you what? You come into sonship and transactions start to take place for you as well. What I mean, just so I can get whatever I want? No, you're supposed to be walking and co-laboring on this earth, bringing what? Heaven to earth. You bring it. It comes with you wherever you go, just like it came with Jesus wherever he went. Right? And if Jesus says, and if they will not accept it, what? Dust your feet off and move to the next one that will. Right? Right? John 17, next next chapter. I'm doing it, y'all. Verse 23. You live fully in me 
Say fully. You live fully in me. And now I live fully. Say fully. Fully in them. That's a lot. It's not... He's trying to get you to get into past your noggin into this that it's not just a half job. Right? Pardon my expression, not a half job. You know what I'm saying? It's not like... I'm going to give you a little bit, and then when I see how good you do, I'm going to give you a little bit more. Or I'm going to see how bad you do, and I might take it away. No, he says, fully in you and fully in me, which means he is fully in me, and I have been immersed completely, my whole self, into him. No longer striving, no longer trying to get it right, that's who I am. It's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You live fully in me, now I live fully in them. Why? So that they will experience perfect unity. Who is they? The body. They will experience perfect unity. The body. With who? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And whenever they experience this unity, what's going to happen? And then the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they will see with their own eyes that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. When Look, the problem is this. We're not even convinced that he loves us with the same passionate love that he loves Jesus. So how can the world be finally convinced? You see the problem? And we're supposed to be going up to the next level, right? 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. We're supposed to be maturing into that 100-fold mentality of the kingdom of God. Where we going past infanthood, going past childhood, and now our position as sons. When we come into position as sons... There's a love there. A love for one another of Him and me and me and Him that the world is going to be convinced. But here's the deal. I can't convince them of something that I'm not even convinced of. Think about it. Do you really believe that? Think about all the doubts that you have. How many doubts do you go through a day? How many doubts just in your own personal life, just about you? Not about your spouse, not about your kids, not about the people at work, not about the world and all the bad news that you see on it, not about your finances, just you. Just the lies that the enemy whispers to you. How much do you doubt that God really loves you? Then when something happens and your car, brand new car, gets windows busted out, by people who supposed to be of Jesus. I'm just picking on somebody. What happens then? Do you believe God still passionately loves you? What about when the bad doctors report? Do you believe God still passionately loves you? When the spouse says, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, no matter how much you prayed 
for that spouse, do you still believe God loves you with the same infinite, passionate love that He loves Jesus? When you don't get the job that you thought you were supposed to get, It's real. Those are real events of everybody in this room that I know. Those are all real events that has happened to somebody in this room, including myself. And that's just a tip of the iceberg, right? That's just a tip. Then add all the other 173 things in our lives that people don't know about because we won't share them with everybody else and then ask yourself do you believe that God passionately loves you with the same love that he loves his son be honest your subconscious level of what you live from tells the truth not what you say out loud by your thought process and the Sunday school answers that says yeah I know God loves me we sang it when I was little Jesus loves me this I know before the Bible tells me so but do you really believe it Because we will respond a whole lot different if we really believe that. Because perfect love cast out fear. And how many of us all of a sudden operate now out of fear? Fear that He's going to leave us out. Fear that He's not going to take care of me. Fear that He's not going to do this for me. Fear that He's not going to do And I'm not going to have. I'm going to be in lack. Well, obviously you have not allowed the powerful declaration of righteousness to be spoken over you because you'll be in complete wholeness if you do, not lacking in anything. See how it all goes together? See how, why he says in John 10, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, but the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy? It's an invitation, though, to this life. It's an invitation. I heard Julie ministering to somebody. Uh, was that Friday? My days are starting to mix up. And in that, what she said, in the advice she gave, she says sometimes when God asks us to do something, because He knows what's best, He knows what's around the corner, and she started speaking from experience in our life and, and things that we had made decisions about. She says sometimes... It feels like it's killing you. But you know deep down in your subconscious that, it is, that it's going to bring peace. But at the moment, it, don't, you, it feels like it's killing you. You know, when we moved and then started this, it felt like it was killing me. And everybody that knew me was saying, Why? Other than God saying go, I had nothing. I don't have it figured out today. I just have to go on the promise of what He gave me. One little promise. And He gives confirming words along the way when I start to doubt on my journey. But did it hurt? Yeah. Like hell. Like real hell. Thought I was dying. But the experiences that me and her have experienced over our course of life, had we not gone through times like that, I would not have been able to take a giant leap of faith like that either. It didn't just happen overnight. 
It started off small. And as Bill said earlier, it happens through experience. And whenever we experience it, it gets in your nowhere. But if you're only trying to operate out of head knowledge, it's going to be all wishy-washy for you. And you're going to be like James when he says, an undivided mind. How can you expect to get anything from God? That's why it's got to get past this and bring those thoughts captive and allow the Spirit to speak to you. Does that make sense? Go to Romans 8.15. Same passionate love, guys. Same. We've got to get that in it. Same. If you believe that, you would trust Him with everything that was in you. You know what? You would trust Him. The decisions you made, you would trust Him. And the reason why we don't trust Him is because we don't feel like He's got our best interest for us. Because we don't believe He loves us with the same passionate love He loved Jesus. Or we have a distorted view of His love. Let me put this out there too. We have a distorted view of His love that says, I don't want God to love me like Jesus and put me on a cross. Let me just clear the air. God didn't put Him on the cross. You did. We did. Religion did. Man did. I thought God did. Where was God? Paul says that God was in Christ reconciling the world on the cross. He was in Christ reconciling the world back to Himself. That's where Christ was. That's where God was the whole time. So He never left Him. He never forsaken. The only reason He felt that was because He felt what you experience. And He took the weight of the fall from the very beginning that says, I gotta hide from God. So knock that lie right out and trust that He loves you with the same passionate, infinite love. Where was He whenever He was getting beat? He was in His Son. He was in Him. Otherwise, He probably would have said, go ahead, call your angels. <laughs> they ain't worth it, right? But no. They were in together, all three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit doing it together for you. Same passionate, infinite love. He will do whatever. That is the evidence that says that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will do anything, anything to show you how much they love you. Anything. Anything. All right, Romans. I got sidetracked. Chase Red real quick. 8.15. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. Of never being what? But you have received, past tense, the spirit of full acceptance, meaning He fully accepts you, all of you, not just the part that you're getting right right now, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as He rises up within us, our spirits join Him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, which is what? Intimacy. Intimate Father. Right? Daddy. Like, I don't if I need my dad when I was little and 
I need to cry out to him. It ain't going to be, hey, Paul. That's my dad's name, if you don't know. Or I didn't say, oh, Father, could you please help me? No, my little insides didn't know what to scream except what? Daddy! That's the intimate term for your dad. Could be something else. For instance, in the Middle East, where Jesus grew up, was Abba. And he's saying, our spirit joins in with Jesus to intimately say out, not, Holy Father, Thou art mighty, trice holy you are. Dad, I need to talk. Intimacy. That's what your spirit gets to cry out right now because of Christ in you and you in Christ. Go back to two chapters of Romans 6. Look at verse 5. Romans 6. Verse 5. <clears throat> For since we are permanently grafted. How, how, how are we grafted? Mm. So that means we can still get out of it, right? Permanent means what? <laughs> it's done, right? It's better than Gorilla Glue. It's better than duct tape. Like it's there, right? Grafted into him to experience a death like his. Then we are what? Grafted again? Permanently grafted into him to do what? What did Bill say? Experience a resurrection like his, the new life that it imparts. The new life that it imparts to who? You. In the sweet by and by? No, right now. Could it be any clearer that our former identity is now and forever deprived of its power? For we were co-crucified with him to do what? Dismantle the stronghold of sin within us. Why? So that we would not continue to live one moment longer submitted to sin's power. Obviously, a dead person is incapable of sinning. And if we were co-crucified with the anointed one, we know that we will also share in the fullness of his life. We know that since the anointed one has been raised from the dead to die no more, his resurrection life has vanquished death and its power over him is finished. For by his sacrifice he died to sin's power once and for all. But he now lives continuously for the Father's pleasure. So, let it be the same way with who? You. What does he continue to do now? For the Father's pleasure. So let it be the same way with you. Since you are now joined with Him, you must continually view yourselves as dead and unresponsive to sin's appeal while living daily for God's pleasure. Where? In union with Jesus, the Anointed One. Isn't that what Jesus was telling us in John 14, 15, 16, and 17? That He is divine. We are the branches. Apart from Me, you will produce fruit. So be what? Connected to the vine. Right? He was telling us and prompting us. And then Paul's coming in right behind him showing us, look, you now, like that happened. What Jesus was saying was going to happen. It's already happened. It's yours. It's available. It's yours right now. Like it's already done. Past tense. 
Go with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor. The exact expression of God's true nature, His mirror image. He holds the universe where? Together. And then He does what? Expands it by the mighty power of His spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing. Is it complete or not? Do we act like it's complete? It's complete. The complete cleansing of sins. And then he did what? Took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the majestic one. Taking his seat meaning what? It is finished. Now, we've got to get into our, pass our heads into our knower this. It could not have been complete if he didn't sit down. He sat down. That means it's done. Right? We acting like it's still going to be done one day when we die. Right? What's the guarantee that it's done? He did what? Sat down. Why did he say he sat down? Because of the complete cleansing of sin. That means the whole disease. Not just your actions. Your actions came from the disease of sin. Hamartia was what? Completely cleansed. It's gone. And then he did what? Then he did what? Sat down. Alright? Now, go with me. Next verse. He is infinitely greater than angels, for he inherited a rank and a name that is far greater than theirs. And what is his name? Jesus. For God has never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my what? My what? Mm. Let me just put it in a better picture for you. He put his name on the refrigerator and said, you my favorite. Right? Took his picture just center right there. Right? Yeah, but why wouldn't it? It's Jesus. What's my point? With the same passionate love, he loves his son. He loves you. Where's your picture at Jesus at God's refrigerator? Front and center. Right? I used to hear before that God had a wallet, your picture would be first one in, right? We don't really do that anymore, but if if you uh, turn on the screensaver of your phone, you'd be on the top. When you opened your phone, there you'd be. You're always on his mind. You're the apple of his eye. The same passion and love he loves the son, he loves you. Go over to chapter 9. My prayer is that the declaration of righteousness be spoken over you and you leave whole today. That's why I'm giving you so many scriptures. Verse 11, But now the anointed one has become the king priest of every wonderful thing that has come. Past tense. For he serves in a greater, more perfect heavenly tabernacle, not made by men. That is to say, not a part of this creation. And he has entered once and what? 
forever into the holiest sanctuary of all. Not with the blood of animal sacrifices, but the sacred blood of his own sacrifice. And he alone has made our salvation secure. How long? How long? Forever. It's the complete cleansing. He's given you this picture in Hebrews of Jesus, of what he did. When he said it was finished, and when he went to sit down, this is what was established right before he sat down. Gives you authority to know he sat down. It is done. Right? Look at verse, let's skip down, verse 24. Verse 24. For the Messiah did not enter the earthly tabernacle made by men, which was but an echo of the true sanctuary, but he entered into heaven itself to appear before the face of God. For what? In our place. Under the old system, year after year, the high priest entered the most holy sanctuary with blood, not his own, but the Messiah did not need to repeatedly offer himself year after year. For that would mean he must suffer repeatedly ever since the fall of the world. But now, he has appeared at the fulfillment. See, that's the problem. We don't believe it's really fulfilled. But I'm just a poor, pitiful sinner saved by grace. But you don't know. I still go through this. And I still go through... And so we're just not being real with each other, Brian, if we're not telling all our faults. Let me ask you this question. What are you telling more out of your mouth? Your faults or what he's done? And that'll tell you which one you believe more. I'm not saying we don't have struggles. I'm not saying we don't need to help each other through struggles. But by the intent of our mouths, the heart speaks. It shows what you really believe. Do you believe it's been fulfilled? Past tense? Or that it's being fulfilled? That's a big difference. That's a huge difference. Scripture, just just today's scripture passages says it's what? It's what? Being fulfilled or it already has been? Not according to what Brian says. According to scripture, what did it say? Past tense. Done. You see what I mean? You see how the enemy just keeps you in cycles, cycles. We gotta get it in our head. We gotta get it in our head. But now he has appeared fulfillment of the ages to do what? Abolish sin once and for all by the sacrifice of himself. Did he sacrifice or not? Then it's done. We just don't believe it. We just don't believe it. Go back to chapter 7 real quick. Verse 25. Look at this. So he is able to save. What's that word? They laugh. Fully. He is able to save what? I thought he did a half job. 
I thought we like get part of it now where we could say the prayer and then we get the other half later when we finally die. Well, that's a part truth too because you do get to rest when you die. Because whenever you say yes to Jesus, you died and all things have become brand new. Not the moment whenever the physical body finally quits breathing. But when you say yes to Jesus and you say no to your flesh, it says you were born again. So we don't even know if we really got born again. Because we believe in the lie. We don't believe the fulfillment came. We believe that it's going to come one day in the sweet by and by. That's our thought pattern. That's what we believe, right? So he's able to say fully from now through what? Just to com- just to confirm what I just said, what did he say? Fully from what? Now? And that's not just talking about 2022. This is Paul. Most people believe Paul. Some people don't believe it was Paul who wrote this. It's neither here nor there. During Paul's age, it was written. So that's about almost 2,000 years ago. So that meant now, then, until when? He turns it. So from whenever the letter was written right here, he says, and that happened when? It's now. Until when? Forever. Everyone who comes to God through him because he lives to pray continually for them. Never stops. Never stops. Remember I said earlier that we are supposed to be moving from the little infant to the child to sonship, right? Let me just give you a picture real quick. So, and we've talked about this before, but it's been a while. But the Greek word for like Jesus in the manger, when it says the baby in the manger, it even uses the same Greek word whenever it's talking about Jesus and John the Baptist when they were in the womb. And they leap with one another, right? And they, John the Baptist leaps whenever Mary walks in with Jesus in her womb. That same word is used for baby both times, tall, calling it brephos, okay? Meaning this, that it is an infant child that still needs care of parental guidance, okay? And we've talked about this word before, weothesia. The weos is the son, Okay? The weothesia ceremony that they would have was whenever a child would come into sonship to say, they would call him out in public, they would ask any questions, they would question him, and it was his rise to say, all right, I'm now coming into sonship, I can make transactions on my own, you deal with dad, you deal with me, you deal with me, you deal with dad, it's the same. All that stuff would happen at the weothesia ceremony. Remember we talked about that before? That term weos and it's not spelled with a W so if you go look for it, it's spelled with an H by the way, so if you want to go look it up, but weos, that word is used one, two, three, four, five times in the New Testament talking about us not as a child of God but as a son of God so when it's using that term it comes with everything that term means, which is what? you've come into complete full sonship that you get to do what? Do just everything just like the Father does. 
If you're dealing with the Father, you're dealing with me. You're dealing with me, you're dealing with the Father. And do what? Bring His things to this earth. That is, and you can write these down, and I'm going to go through them right now because of time's sake. Romans 8.15, which we already read just a while ago. That's we us. Romans 8.23. Romans 9.4. Galatians 4.5. And Ephesians 1.5. I'll say one more time. I'll see y'all right fast. Romans 8.15. And then verse 23. Romans 9. Verse 4. Galatians 4. Verse 5. And Ephesians 1. Verse 5. All those are talking about us being that son, the weos of God. Or we get to come into that authority realm. So not just a baby child, not just an infant, but coming into sonship where we get to bring kingdom on this earth as we co-labor with Him. So won't y'all come play just for a minute. So I want you to think about that for a minute. We were singing right before we started. He's rewriting my story. And I'm brand new. Just like the morning. Brand new. That's what that word born again means. That you have been born again. All all old things have been passed away. And behold, all new things have come. All new. It means all of you brand new. Right? It's very interesting if you study epigenetics and how the wiring and things take place. And not necessarily in epigenetics does it talk about DNA changing, but it's the way the DNA reads things. You've been wired, hardwired a certain way to look at life and to look at things. But see, whenever He comes in you and makes you brand new, He makes you a new creation. All things become new. That means even your thought patterns because He's given you the mind of Christ. To rewire the way you think, which then affects the way your body reacts to different stimulus. A lot of us react out of fear. A lot of us react out of worthless, selfless thoughts about ourselves or we think we're not good enough or we'll never rise up to the occasion of what He's calling us to do. says he translated you completely out of darkness and into light. Maybe you said a prayer before that just gets your ticket punched. But you've never really been translated from dark to light. Maybe you want to do that today. In a moment, we're going to pray. And when we do, if that's you, I want you to just raise your hand. I'm going to come to you. I want to pray with you. 
just going to simply tell the Father that you're tired of playing games. I'm tired of playing those games. I'm tired of religion. I'm tired of thinking I just get my ticket punched. I want a life that's full on this side of eternity. Not because he does everything like you want him to do. He's rewriting your story. We've got these thought patterns and things that has to be this way. He wants to take you back to the original intent he had for you when he sent you here. When he wrote a book for you. With your story on it. And we've tried to rewrite it and take it in all kinds of different directions. And he is weaving all of that that you did back into his original story for you. To redeem that which was lost. To restore double for your trouble. The thing is though, we got to get into a place where we actually believe that. The righteous shall live by faith. That faith takes us to a walk to take that first step, that leap of faith, so to speak. And maybe here this morning, you say, Yeah, I just keep, I, I go back and forth. I can just go back and forth. Like, I know that I'm saved, I know that. I just still get confused. I, I, I just going back and forth. I'm that double-minded person where one day I just think it, you know, there's no way out of this. It's just the way it is. It's just my lot in life. I've just been this way my whole life. There's no way out of this. I'm just gonna have to struggle with it. I'm gonna have to fight it. Maybe I fast some more. It's gonna happen. You're just tired of playing those games, which is what religion is self-help program. And just need to come into a place of saying, yes, I trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray. When I get through praying, we're going to stand. And when we stand... That's your opportunity. And you want somebody to come pray with you for either one of those things. Would you just slip your hand up? And we're going to come to you. So Father, we thank you so much for the presence in this room. Thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're walking among us in this room. And Father, we thank you more than that, that you're closer than that. You're closer than our skin because you are in us and we are in you. We thank you, Father, that all old things have passed away and behold, all things have become brand new. Father, we admit here in your presence this morning, 
that we so often forget who we really are. We forget what your word really says about us. We forget that it is a finished work. And we allow the enemy to lie to us. And we believe the lie which empowers the liar. So Father, we just repent of all those things. We thank you for your cleansing. We thank you for your cleansing and your continual prayers for us and your intercession for us that never stops. And we thank you for the blood that covers us. Thank you for your ultimate cleansing that cleanses all sin from us. And we thank you that we get to stand in your presence as sons. Full of light, full of life. Just take a deep breath, breathe him in. He's here, guys, he's here. There be angels, there are angels being released in the room. They're walking in here among you, ready to be released. They're just standing on the edges waiting to be released. So saints, release them right now. Ministering angels. Father, we thank you for your presence. Fresh wind, fresh fire, blow. Blow. to stand and worship.